Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the pink bonus series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me today is Grace Ramage, who is back from a brief spell of illness but still not sounding 100% there, Grace. Yeah, hello, Fee, and hello to all of our listeners. Another huge episode of Ladies Who Punt. Firstly, yes, still very nasally and congested. My apologies to anybody who last week was super excited to dive into a massive Caulfield Guineas Day and Everest Day episode of LWP. But I was very unwell, and it was just not <laughs> happening for me last week. There is absolutely no way I was... Uh, in bed for a few days, genuinely couldn't work, couldn't do anything, had to cancel all my other media commitments as well. So, you know, not the best timing, but uh, at least it was, no. you know, the only silver lining is that it was in the lead up to Corfield Guineas Day and not literally in the middle of Melbourne Cup Week. Um, but yeah, on the men, still just a little bit nasally. So excuse my voice today. Thank you so much for making time for us today. I know like, you know, you're still not 100%, but you're here fronting up. So, uh, we better make the most of it and get into a very big episode because this week is the first of the big three majors, the Caulfield Cup Grace. Now this is like one of Australia's most prestigious races, probably one of the most prestigious races, you know, globally on the calendar. Uh, why mm-hmm. is the Caulfield Cup? Why does it have all of this prestige attached to it? Well, it's just been within the fabric of Australian history, sporting history, Australian culture. Um, you know, the Caulfield Cup, as you mentioned, one of the big three majors that when people think about horse racing, they think about the Caulfield Cup, they think about the Cox Plate, and they think about the Melbourne Cup. It's got um, obviously such an amazing history behind it and with all of the runnings and all of the additions and that becomes racing folklore and Australian um, sporting culture. Um, But it's just one of those races that is extremely hard to win and you need to have 
the right horse mm-hmm. to be winning. You need to have, similar to the Melbourne Cup, in fact, there's lots of comparisons between the Corval Cup and the Melbourne Cup because they both run at handicap level, that you need to be able to get your horse in, but in with a light enough weight um, to have a, well, theoretically to have that best competitive advantage in the race. And because of that, there's just so much thinking and thought and planning and process that goes into this race, the Caulfield Cup. Um, So it is absolutely every year one of the big three races that we have here in Victoria. And it's fascinating as well with what we've seen in the past couple of decades, the international, um, obviously the international Mm. participation in the Australian Spring Carnival. Um, There have been plenty of internationals that have done a very good job in the Caulfield Cup, not just the Cox Plate and the Melbourne Cup as well. And we've got a host of internationals this year, which make the race even more exciting. So the Caulfield Cup was first run in 1879. So we're talking, this is a very old, prestigious race. Um, But the other important thing about the Caulfield Cup is that it is a real indicator of the Melbourne Cup. Plenty of horses will go through the Caulfield Cup and onto the Melbourne Cup. It's sort of the main feature form lead-up race for the Melbourne Cup. So, you know, there's um, plenty of horses here that you want to see them either A, winning or B, slashing home to say, right, you are on track to be running and peaking for the Melbourne Cup first Tuesday of November. Yep, so it's a real uh, form race for the Melbourne Cup, and it's also a win and you're in, isn't it, Grace? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. So just speaking of the internationals, uh, this week in our newsletter, we will be doing a bit of a deep dive into the three that have uh, showed up just for the spring. There's obviously a lot of internationals in the race who have already been running in Australia, but we just wanted to put a special focus on the three that have come just for the spring because they're the ones we know the least about. So it'll be um, interesting to to dive into them into our newsletter. So they are number three, Breakup, who is coming from Japan. Number 14, Okita Soyushi who is sounds like he's coming from Japan, but is actually coming from the UK. And then number 18, Valiant King. So they're the three who we haven't seen in Australia yet and are three very exciting horses to have in this race. And I suppose we can also add in West Wind Blows as well, number six, because while we have yes. already seen him once before, he's still certainly an international mm-hmm. in the sense that he's come out primarily from England to compete in the big three majors here in the spring carnival and he's been out at Werribee. He's been doing all of that international sort of protocol and lead up and everything. So, um, but we've already seen him and we saw him in the Turnbull stakes and he was very good on that day. Very, very good. I think a lot better than we were expecting. Like he definitely stamped his mark on the Australian racing scene, but we will get a little bit more in depth into that in a minute. So Grace, looking at the Caulfield Cup, it's a 2400 meter group one handicap, as we've outlined, yep. which means that the horses are in on their ratings. So uh, very big weight spread for this race, eight and a half kilos from the, the lowest weight to the highest weight. And when it comes to handicaps and we're looking at our form, the, the thing that I keep reading about is you really want to be looking for those horses who are, you know, up and coming, but have managed to get mm-hmm. into the race on a really, really low yep. weight. So we'll keep an eye yep. on those. I guess we'll start with the market before we go into our speed map. So number one, Gold Trip, $5 favorite at the moment, which says a lot. $5, this is a very competitive race. 
No one's feeling extremely confident um, about who is the winner on Saturday. In the second line of betting, we have number eight, Solcom, who is at $6, and then number six, Westwind Blows, who we were just speaking of, at $6.50. So Gold Trip is our favourite of $5, and he was absolutely electric in the Turnbull Stakes Grace. I thought he was going to run a good race that day. I didn't expect him to do what he did on the day. I was thinking second or third, but he really put them to bed, showing an electric turn of foot. And, you know, I don't think we can doubt his form now on good tracks like he's really uh sprinting off those firmer tracks now but before we um get get into the field in any more depth let's take a look at the speed map because i feel like it's going to be an important part of the recipe this week definitely we've got a big field of course uh, 18 runners and plenty of horses that will go forward plenty of horse plenty of those on speed horses um that have drawn wide so if we're taking a look at what's happening in the speed map I think we can expect that from the 2400 meter start at Caulfield, which is uh, basically in the in the home straight, so you get to see them do a full lap of the track. Um, from that starting point, we're going to see a few horses really hope to fire the barriers and push across and get across. The horses that I reference is Spirit Ridge from Barrier 10, Goldman from Barrier 18, and even Right You Are might be going forward from Barrier 13. And you've got a couple of horses that have drawn low that will want to be near the speed. Um, and I think one of those is a horse called, and I think one of those is West Wind Blows. This horse likes to race near the speed, but he doesn't have a lot of gate speed. So what I mean by that is he likes to be up there, um, you, you know, sort of setting his own tempo, like we saw him in the Turnbull Stakes sitting just off that speed. But he doesn't particularly begin well. He takes a long time to muster. He sort of jumps out of the barriers, but then slowly builds his revs up to get to the position he wants, which is pretty common when it comes to European racing. Not so common when it comes to, say, um, Hong Kong racing or Australian racing, where there's a real urgency to get out of the barriers and get your position straight away. So that's going to be a bit of a test for West Wind Blows about where he gets to on the map, because as I said, like a horse like Goldman and Spirit Ridge and maybe Right You Are, they're going to be they're going to be coming across very fast. They're going to want their position straight away. Once they get there, um, I wouldn't actually be surprised to see that this race really slacken through the mid stages. I have a feeling it's going to be that sort of race, which again, pretty typical for Australian staying races, where they all find their positions, but then the the, the jockeys on the leading bunch decide that they have got their spot and now they want to really get a breather in for their horse to slow it right down so that they're going to have as much energy to use in the finish as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this race really clump up through the mid stages. And because of that, the horses that I really want to focus on are the ones that aren't going to be out the back. For me, this race and big mm-hmm. field, so much intent, you know, you don't want to have to have a horse that needs, that's going to be towards the rear, like mapping his way through, trying to weave a path and need to be winks to be able to get over the top of some very well credentialed horses that are going to be at the top of the field. So uh, the horses that I really like on this map are Break Up, the Japanese horse, because he likes to be just near the speed. He's drawn barrier five. Perfect. I really, really like barrier six for Solcombe. He can be a little bit slow away. However, I think now that this is sort of approaching grand final stage for him, they're going to use the barrier from barrier six. Craig Williams will sort of ask him to hold a more forward position he can be you know forward of midfield midfield perfect spot for him using no petrol and gold trip is drawn well enough in barrier 11 as well just to blend in he's the one that probably risks 
potentially being caught wide or having to cover a little bit more extra ground, but he's the sort of horse that you want to be able to get into clear galloping room, like what we saw him do mm. in the Turnbull Stakes. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad barrier for him at all. Horses like Francesco Gardi, um, he's going to be a long way back. N- not sure that he's he's probably the one that you're watching to say, wow, that was a huge run for the Melbourne Cup is the way that I'm sort of seeing it. So, yeah. All yeah, in all, yeah. basically, I have a feeling that they're going to find their positions. They might slacken through the mid-stages, and therefore I want a horse that's probably midfield or closer and not further back. Well, all the things you're telling me there, you know, now putting it into the form that I've already done, because I'm, I'm not great with the speed map, so it's awesome to get your um, thoughts on that. But what you've just said is really pushing me towards Westwind Blows, because I thought his last oh. run he was very impressive like he was up front he had a hard run he was second or third wide basically the whole trip and then he was on pace in a race that was run fast in the early stages which actually favored gold trip on the day but he was the only one that really stuck on wasn't he so he was very impressive to the line um just really was putting his hand up for yep i'm here i'm here to dominate i'm here to win some nice races um, I think the other thing that I find really interesting between the Turnbull where he ran second to Gold Trip to Saturday is that now there's a three kilo weight swing in his favour because we go to a handicap system. So he's got three kilos on Gold Trip in this race, which is very exciting for connections of Westwind Blows. And it is so exciting to hear you say all of those form factors because they are all absolutely accurate <laughs> and you absolutely nailed it. That is epic fee. Well done. Um, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. You. Everything you just said for West Wind Blows. The, the, the key thing for me, um, oh, well, I'll, I'll just quickly touch on both things you said. Uh, the fact that he stuck on in what was a fast run Turnbull Stakes to finish second was huge, enormous. Um, huge. There's no doubt that that's probably the way that he likes to be ridden and that's the that was the ideal race shape for him like there are certain horses in this race and in any standing race especially especially in Australia you've got horses that are stamina stayers but you've also got horses that have got a turn of foot that can sit off a slow tempo and sprint and dash home i think that west wind blows is definitely a stamina stayer so he's going to need tempo on um in this race so that mid race slackening of the tempo might not suit him so well but the point is that he won't be too far behind them and once he gets a gap he can wind up as well so i think it suits it sets up well for western boys can't knock that and hopefully a more economical run this time too yeah absolutely absolutely and what we saw from him in the turnbull stakes was huge you're right gold trip was the one who we're all looking at and saying wow that was absolutely astonishing but he was entitled to finish off off that fast tempo especially knowing that that's gold trip's bread and butter uh, West Wind Blows was not necessarily entitled to stick on like that. So, yeah, very nice horse. Now, the weight swing that you mentioned. So, obviously, in the Turnbull Stakes, we were talking about set weights and penalties. Now, under handicap conditions, you have to have Gold Trip. Uh, with his rating and the fact that he is a Group 1 Melbourne Cup winner last year, uh, he has to be the natural top weight here, 58.5 kilos. And because of that, everything falls in underneath him at that 58 and a half kilos based on their rating points compared to his. So you've got West Wind Blows, you've got Solcombe, you've got plenty of those horses that are now getting weight off 
gold trip that they weren't last time they clashed. And that is an important factor, especially for me, a horse like Solcombe really meets gold trip better at the weights. And he's a horse that I also am very excited about. As we know, we've, I've been with him this whole preparation. Um, so yes. yeah, both of those points for you are really, really important for this race. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Solcombe now because you're right. He's down in the weights, 53 and a half kilos. He hasn't carried that weight like all prep like he's been running with more weight on his back this is the first time he gets a nice light ride um and what i also liked about his turnbull stakes race grace was that he had the fastest last 200 of the race which is a big tick for stepping up in distance which is encouraging i was a little surprised he didn't get past westwind blows um just because he is a horse that can show you know a really nice turn of foot um, and he had quite an economical run. So I was, that did surprise me. But I think, yeah, the weights on Saturday will definitely help make him more competitive. And what I also like is one at this distance before, which is something I'm always sort of looking for as we get out to these more, you know, staying trips where we pass middle distance and, and head out to the staying trips. I like to see that they've they've finished out this sort of distance before. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I really like about Solcombe and I suppose why I've been following him this whole preparation is that he's had a very, very traditional lead up to the Caulfield Cup. This is sort of the the, the traditional pathway. I mean, a lot of these horses have um, that gets you to a group one Caulfield Cup fourth up having had the three conditioning runs under your belt, now plummeting in the weights at the handicap conditions and it's time, it's time to shine basically. This is the big dance for these horses. They're ready to peak. This is grand final stage. And with Solcombe, the other thing is, while he won that listed heavily stakes first up in astonishing fashion, he's done the old get back, run on, hit the line strongly, get these (laughs) conditioning runs into him, but without winning and therefore without hurting his Mm -hmm. handicap and his weight in the Caulfield Cup. So he still gets in with a light 53 and a half kilos. So he still gets in with the lightweight. And because of that, I know he's going to be peaking because Chris Waller is an absolute master at getting horses to peak on their grand final day. We saw that the, we saw that last Saturday with Fangirl in the King Charles, um, mm. where she beat our boy Mr. B, but that's okay because Fangirl was absolutely insane that day. Like clear career peak, she, clear she to best she's ever sure. gone in her entire yeah. life. Yeah, that yeah. was her, that was her yeah. day. Chris Waller said, right, you're winning that race and I'm gonna absolutely fine tune you to be peaking <laughs> on that day. So and he does it he does it time and time again. He does did it with very elegant to win a Melbourne Cup by like eight lengths or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like he's a master at it. So um we know that Solcombe will be peaking for the Caulfield Cup and probably for the Melbourne Cup. I real I really like this horse. But the problem is fee is that when I look at this market and I see Gold Trip at $5, enormous in a Turnbull Stakes last start, uh, Melbourne Cup winner, absolutely airborne, in, in insane form. How can you knock him? Well, and maybe well the weight. the but, Cup last year. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the weight, but then you think, oh, no, he won a Melbourne Cup with top weight. No. <laughs> then you see the next yeah. horse on the second line of betting is Solcombe, and we've just discussed him, going well, ready to peak traditional Caulfield Cup lead up for then a horse that wins the Caulfield Cup. Then you've got West Wind Blows, already spoke about him, international that came out and was not entitled to finish off as strong as he did. 
uh, in the Turnbull Stakes, but still managed to hold on for second, goes down to 54 kilos, Barry 2, $6.50. Then you get to a horse called Without a Fight at $7.50, who is a former international that's now with Anthony and Sam Friedman, had two runs in the winter in Queensland, um, which we spoke about earlier on in our podcast. He was huge there. He's only had the one run this preparation, and that was behind Alligator Blood in the Underwood Stakes a month ago. And there he, like, almost gave Solcombe Winburn. So you've got this complete X factor of a horse that is sort of coming off not a traditional Caulfield Cup lead-up, but who knows how good he is. And Mark Zara rides from Barrier 7. Like, that's absolutely perfect. And then you've got... and then you've got the Japanese horse. And when we're talking about Japanese yeah. horses, um, they've had a fantastic, fantastic um, record in the Caulfield Cup itself over the past 10 years. They've already had two winners, Murder Glass and Admiracti. Um, plus their horses, when they come out, you just can never discount them because Japanese, Japanese world-class horses are proper world-class. And they're all under $10 fee. I'm just like, how, how... Can you actually try and work out who the winner is? And I honestly can't. It's crazy. I did want to talk about breakup, actually, because when I was going through his form, I was like, oh, his last run was in June. And now he lines up in a 2,400 metre group one, like first up, you know, just crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy sort of programming from an Australian perspective. But then I dove a little deeper, I went back to his full form. And he did this last year, too, in Japan. So he ran in June. And then he won first up over 2,400 metres in October. So that's not a problem for this horse. That gave me a little bit more like, oh, okay, like they, they know how to get him ready to go first up over a trip. So wasn't yep. worried about that once I dove in earlier. But um, just with the internationals, like I just feel like I have to wait and see what they do, you know. And I think we've you already know. been burned I know. This, this, this spring by Romantic Warrior. And so, yep. yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can be with the Japanese horse. I think there's nicer yeah. horses that have shown enough that are already here. Um, but, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how he goes. It is a really interesting thing that you've just said because it's not like breakups coming out here and against sort of like a, 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 a mediocre Caulfield Cup field. You know, if Gold Trip was to go anywhere in the world, I'm fairly sure in the current form he is in, uh, he would be extremely competitive. So, um, you know, Breakup can run really well. Whether or not he can win this, I suppose, time will tell. But the thing is, though, is that you just you can't discount any of their Japanese raiders, and it's fantastic to have these horses back because – you know, the last time I think we might have seen a Japanese horse come to compete in the Australian Spring Carnival was Lis Gracia, if anyone can remember her, after Winx's mm-hmm. four cox plates, she won the next one. And she, boy yeah. oh boy, was literally the best horse in the world by a long way. And she came out here and just treated our cox plate <laughs> with contempt. She literally won on one rein. <laughs> like she was cantering around the whole field of horses like, I don't know what way I'm going. And she still just bolted it. So... When they bring out horses to to target our spring carnival races, they know that they've got the horse that will win and that can win. Um, and so they're very, very hard to overlook. The other thing about breakup is, and that I think probably is important, is that the connections have made it very clear that they're here to win both the Corville Cup and the Melbourne Cup. 
So the fact that he is only mm-hmm. first up and the fact that they have firmly got the Melbourne Cup in their sights suggests that you can probably expect to see some improvement from him from the Corfield Cup into the Melbourne Cup. So he might be a touch underdone here first up. Expect to see him from Barrier 5 um, you know, running a very good race, but wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe run top three and then put his hand up to say, yep, I'm a massive Melbourne Cup player here. Yeah, and I wanted to pick your brain you know, we've, we've talked about how competitive this race is in terms of the market. You've got a $5 favorite and gold trip, which seems like really good value for him. Like, I mean, to me, he is the winner, I guess, just because he's been going so good. The weight doesn't seem to bother him anyway. But I also wanted to talk to you about any horses you think that are just way off on price, like are just way over what they what they should be considering their recent runs. One that stuck out to me was a horse that you sort of, I don't know if it was in the newsletter or on the podcast, but you pointed us pointed our attention to is Spirit Ridge. I think he's paying mm-hmm. pretty overs at forty one dollars. He didn't have, he hasn't done anything wrong. He came second in in the Group One Metrop up in Sydney last start. He comes down two kgs from then on the weekend, and this is his like ideal distance. He's won over twenty four hundred meters three times. It's yep. crazy how much value you can get for horses that are still like right there in in the running, in my opinion. Um, what do you think of him, Grace, this time? Well, I definitely could not talk you out of suggesting that he is a good roughie in this race because you're right. Like he's narrow second to just fine in the Metropolitan over the track and over the same distance, 2,400 metres, was amazing. And on that occasion, he was $41 because Just Fine was such a short price favorite. But he showed that he's got stamina in spades and he did not want to lie down. Now he finds himself three weeks between runs into a Corfield Cup with 50 and a half kilos. So he's a contender, definitely as a top three chance. It'd just be whether he has got the class, that X factor that Mm. we know Gold Trip has, that without a fight might have. You know, whether he can match yeah. motors with Solcom at his absolute peak now, fourth up into a Corfield Cup, and then you add in the internationals, which are a complete unknown quantity, might be better than them all. So, you know, Spirit Ridge, it's the right play for Annabelle Nisham and Connections to be here. They've absolutely nailed everything. The campaign's gone perfectly despite not winning, I suppose. <laughs> um, but as a result of not winning, he gets in with 50 and a half kilos. The only problem with Spirit Ridge is that he finds a very, very top heavy and deep, deep Corfield Cup at the top. Like, it's not like there's, oh, one, mm. you know, there's not like there's just the one, one standout horse, horse the and if he yeah. doesn't perform, yeah. you know, it's anyone's race. It's literally it's there's five race. horses in yeah. under $10 that are just amazing, amazing horses that are extremely well-placed here. So, yeah, can definitely suggest that he's a, a big price, but he might be a really good roughie in the race, top three chance. Yeah, and speaking earlier about Chris Waller training horses to the minute, he has another runner in this race in number four, Montefilia, who I know is a mare that you um, always like to keep an eye on, Grace. She's also not done much wrong and is paying $14. So her last start was in the Group 2 Hill Stakes up in Sydney over 1,900 metres where she won. Uh, She only got clear in the last 250 metres and had a lot of ground to make up and and managed to do so. This is her fifth start of the prep, so she is rock hard fit, this girl. And um, I 
yeah, just hearing your sentiments about Chris Waller training horses to the minute and having them really firing on their grand final. Maybe this is her shot because she's been very unlucky at this track and trip, um, considering her class, I think. Um, but maybe it's this year. Yeah, it could be. But the thing is with Montefilia, um, she last year ran in the Corville Cup from last. She was amazing. She was a huge slashing run, came home in the fastest last 200 metres of the whole race. And then because of that run, she was my one of my top four in the Melbourne Cup at her next start, which um, is probably the distance. She didn't stay the trip. But the point I'm trying to make is that Montefilia from last great run, but still ran fourth behind Durston, Gold Trip, and Knight's Order in that Corfield Cup last year. There, there are Durston and Knight's Order in this race would be a massive price, massive, massive, massive price. Mm. So I just think that she finds again a much, much stronger Corfield Cup. She's going to bring her best, mm. definitely, but whether that's good enough, I'd be surprised. If a horse like Montefilia wins, well, you credit part of it to Chris Waller and the master trainer that he is, but you would have to think that a lot of those big guns at the top of the betting have not brought their best. Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting insights from you. Um, yeah, because it's just – there's so many classy horses – and we haven't even spoken really about the favorite Grace and Gold Trip, who is just in crazy form at the moment. Like, if he can continue the way that he's going into the Melbourne Cup, like, wow. What are your thoughts on him and, and how he's going and, and the paths that the connections have had to to sort of figure out for him based off, you know, what he's done already this spring? Yeah. Well, we only realized that he was accepting in the Caulfield Cup yesterday. Um, he's been one of the best talking points in terms of racing news over the past few days about whether he's actually going to line up in the Caulfield Cup or whether he goes straight to the Cox Plate, whether he does all three like he did last year into the Melbourne Cup. So I'm really happy that he's here because obviously he's got a great winning chance. I'm also hoping that maybe Connections have decided that they want to go Caulfield Cup into the Melbourne Cup and bypass the Cox Plate because it'll be better for Mr. B not having to clash against a gold trip who could absolutely win everything. Um, but, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, there's there's that old story, that old theory, which you need to have 10,000 metres into a horse's legs to be prime and winning a Melbourne Cup. That's basically what Gold Troop would have done, you know, last year, and they might want to do that again this year by tackling all three of the races, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, and Melbourne Cup. But I'm so glad that he's in this race because he can win. There's no doubt about it. And it just adds yeah. so much. I mean, now we've got a proper weight spread, like you referenced, because we've got a natural top weight at 58.5 kilos, which pushes everything right down because of the difference uh, in their ratings. So we've got a proper handicap weight scale um, in a Corville Cup and so many big guns. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? I genuinely cannot actually tell you who I'm confident is the winner of this race because any of the top five can win. It is the popcorn race of popcorn races of the spring. So I cannot wait to see who comes out on top. I'm not going to hold you to like a bit, Grace, but what I am going to ask you is who you think will run top three. Oh, okay. So I have to be with Solcom. 
because I love everything that he has been doing. I love that he gets to 2,400 meters fourth up now, plummets in the weights, gets weight off gold trip uh, in terms of the weight they carried last start against each other, and now the weight they're carrying here, Solcombe gets a much lesser weight. Um, and also the barrier is perfect for him. From barrier six, Craig Williams can sort of use that, be no worse than midfield, be within striking distance, find a couple of gaps, bang, I think he's top three chance. I also think that... West wind blows from barrier two. The fact that he was so good last start, he has to be a top three chance in this. And then for my third spot, is it gold trip or is it without a fight? <sighs> I'm going to go with gold trip because my, although okay. without a fight is a complete X factor horse. I think that maybe, maybe the others that have had heaps of recent racing will be fitter than him potentially and might just mm. not feel that pinch mm -hmm. late. So they're my top three, Solcombe, Gold Trip, and also West Wind Blows. You can't back any of them necessarily. Like, you can't back all of them because <laughs> they're all basically the same price. So maybe a trifecta is the go. I actually definitely think a trifecta is the go. Yeah, I'm going to swap out Solcombe for without a fight. Other than that, I will have the same as you. So Gold Trip, without a fight, West Wind Blows are my three. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think Trifecta is the way to go here for Saturday. Definitely. Yeah. And, and just also enjoy you it. should put it's in Spirit be Reach. An incredible contest. Oh, okay. <laughs> for the value. Yeah. It is a handicap. We've got to look for those. Yeah, for the value. And because it's a handicap, we've got to look at those light, light-weighted horses, like 50 and a half kilos. Definitely. It's a big difference yep. between the big boys. Um, yeah. Okay. Very interesting. It's going to be a fantastic race. I actually can't wait to watch this. I know. It's going to be so good. I'm, it's honestly one of the – we've had plenty of races of the spring so far, but this is this is mouth-watering. This is a real clash of the titans. Mm -hmm. um, and with Gold Trip being in there, mm -hmm. it just adds, makes it even better. Well, Grace, I know that you have to dash off now because you have your next media appointment. You are in high demand this <laughs> time of year. So I will let you sign off and I will uh, wrap up the show from my end. But thank you so much for all of your thoughts and for joining us. I, you know, when you're not 100% still, it's uh, very good of you. No, feeling better. Hopefully by this time next week, my voice will be totally back to normal as well. And can you believe it? We're at the Cox Plate next week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> also, just a quick one. Um, for any of our listeners that are super excited about all the amazing racing at the moment, I would highly recommend for anybody to go to next Tuesday's Breakfast with the Stars at the Valley. Yes, it's an early morning, but it's a pre-work fun activity. So you, you actually can make it work if you get enough sleep. Um, head down there because it is such a great morning. You get to be so close and personal with the, the track work um, side of things. Like it's not it's not a race day, but you get to see these horses. You get to see the jockeys and the trainers talking about what the horse is going to do, go through their paces. You'll be able to go to the Valley social media platforms and find all the details. It's open to anybody. If you are keen, definitely, definitely wow. head down to the Breakfast with the Stars at the Valley on Tuesday morning. Great recommendation from you, Grace. Now have a lovely day. Hope all your other recordings go well, and we'll catch you next week. Looking forward to it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's preview of the Caulfield Cup here on Ladies Who Punt. As you can tell, it's getting busier and busier as we get to the pointy end of the spring. So for today and the next few weeks, we will be recording remotely just because 
um, Grace's media commitments uh, go through the roof this time of year, as I'm sure you can imagine. There are a few things I just wanted to touch on before I sign off today. Something that is so exciting is that our Ladies Who Punt Social Club has hit over 300 members. So this is our closed group on Facebook where we chat about racing, we talk about who's going to what race meetings and whether we should meet up, and we can just share our passion of the great sport of horse racing. So if you haven't signed up to that yet, I would highly recommend that you do that. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the show. And if you're a member of the Ladies Who Punt social group and you have girlfriends or, you know, your sister or your mom or your auntie, if you have women in your life that are interested in racing, feel free to invite them into the into the club. I know a few of our ladies have started doing that and I really appreciate that. Um, but for those who haven't yet, like maybe just go through your friend list and go, oh, you might enjoy this and, and invite a heap of ladies along. That would be awesome. And we are also already beginning to plan our next race day meetup. So we had a few ladies at our Turnbull Stakes meetup come and say hello, which was so cool. It was such a fabulous day of racing, a little bit chilly, um, but just a great day to be at the races at Fabulous Flemington. And what we've done this time is we have put up a poll on our closed group on Facebook, our Ladies Who Punt Social Club, make sure you're signed up. And we've put up a poll as to where you want our next um, race day meetup in November. So uh, log on to there, have a look at what you would prefer and cast your vote. And then the most popular option is what we will go with. I think the most popular option at the moment is the 24th at the Valley, a Friday night lights meeting, um, which I personally love. Lastly, I know we have some people who are new to the podcast on here. So I just wanted to say a big hello to them and thank you so much for joining us. If you are enjoying the content so far, there are a few things that you can do to support Ladies Who Punt and keep our mics on. And they are to follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple or on Spotify, uh, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and of course our closed Facebook group. And one of the best ways you can help us out and show your support is just to, to talk to your friends about us, recommend our podcast to your friends and family. We also have a free newsletter that you can sign up for that goes out weekly. It has a heap of content in it. It has a deep dive into a topic of racing. It has a tip from Grace for weekend racing. It has a form indicator from me when we have group one racing on it also has our off the track recommendations which I hope you guys have been enjoying where we share you know something that we've been loving in our everyday life whether it's a tv show a book even makeup we've started sharing a few of our favorite uh, pieces of makeup that we love to use and then we also have our community black book which is so cool where we uh, list all of the weekend runners that are associated with the ladies who punt community and our fashion spotlight, which has been going so well. Thank you so much to everyone who has sent in outfits for that. There are still two handbags up for grabs as part of the giveaway of that competition. So if you haven't sent in your outfits yet, uh, again, I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to submit your outfits. And we randomly draw a person who has submitted an outfit uh, once a month. There are still two handbags from the lovely bag queen Karen up for grabs in October and then one more in November as well. So make sure you put in your entries for that. There is one more way you can support us. I feel like I've listed so many. Hopefully you're still hanging on to the end here. 
Uh, and that is to become a Ladies Who Punt member, or to be part of our members club. And what that gives you access to is our members newsletter. In that newsletter, you will receive extra tips and extra form indicators from myself and Grace. You will receive a free piece of Ladies Who Punt merch, either a scarf or a mug, depending on what plan you sign up for. And most exciting, you get to join in on our weekly tipping comp. So for those who don't know much about our weekly tipping comp, the way it works is you submit your top pick for the four quarter legs at the premier race meeting in Australia. So this week it'll be at Caulfield. So races seven, eight, nine, and 10, you submit your top picks and then you are scored depending on where your horse finishes. So if your horse wins, you get one point. If your horse runs 10th, you get 10 points. And then the scores are added up over the four legs and the person with the lowest score wins the tipping comp and $50 cash prize. It's been such a success so far. I know that the members we already have signed up have been loving playing in our tipping comp. And last week was an incredible one because we had a lot of boom horses uh, not running as well as they were expected to. I'm thinking of Amelia's Jewel and Militarize and Just Fine as well. So it was a bit of a boil over last week. It was so interesting to read people's picks. But yeah, the tipping comp is so much fun. You're not knocked out at any stage of the competition, which makes it so exciting and means you have a real life chance at winning the $50, $50 cash prize. So um, if you want to play in that, all you have to do is sign up for members, which is $15 a month or $180 for the year. And you can cancel anytime. It's super easy to cancel if it's not for you. Um, but yeah, $15 a month for four chances to win $50 cash prize in our tipping comp. It's pretty good. Okay, guys, I think I've been talking for long enough now. So uh, I'll let you get back to your lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the Caulfield Cup. And uh, we will catch you next week for the Cox Plate. Goodness me, the spring is absolutely flying. Catch you then, guys. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.